Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Well, last week we began a series that we are going to continue today and do for the next several weeks, uh, going through the book of James. And uh, James is a a power-packed book. Uh, It has been said of James that it is the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I I would believe that that would be a very accurate uh, way to to speak about James because there are so many different topics that are discussed. But last week when we began the series, we focused on the reality of the practical elements of our faith that are often, often overlooked because other things that are overemphasized. And what we see when James wrote this book is he was seeking to bring a balance in our faith. And this was one of the reasons that he was actually writing his letter. And one of those things that he focused on was the topic of perseverance. By the way, just by a show of hands, if you happen to be here last week and uh, you listened to the message, were you, uh, was anything challenging this week? It's like, it's like God, you know, I'm, I'm raising my hand because I had it too. And uh, there were several points where I had to let perseverance finish its work. And so uh, we talked about perseverance. We talked about the fact that perseverance is the choice to press on through something despite its difficulty. James, in chapter 1, verse 4 said this famous, hopefully famous, well-known quote right now, let perseverance finish its work. Let is the word. Let is a word of choice. And so what that tells us about perseverance is that perseverance is not an emotion. It is a discipline. It is a choice. You have to choose to persevere. We went on to talk about The fact that perseverance always produces spiritual fruit. That is a guarantee. I love on this same topic, you can apply this scripture to that. Galatians 6, 9. It's once again, isn't it interesting? It starts with let again. Let us not become what? Weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Another word, if. Say if. If we do not give up, it's contingent on us persevering. Now, this scripture gives us promise. For at the proper time, we will reap. That's a promise. A harvest. And what Paul is doing is he's using farming language to express a spiritual principle. Because, listen, every farmer knows something we need to be reminded of. Every farmer knows that between springtime sowing and fall time harvesting is a really long summer. How many of you know that sometimes summer seems longer than other summers? There's some, and by the way, I know that there's a couple retired teachers in the room. They all said amen. And then some of them like, wow, that was way too fast. That was depressing. It felt like a weekend. It felt like a weekend. But between springtime sowing and falltime harvest, every farmer knows there's a summer. And you know, the interesting thing about the summer is that it's a time that's dry. And what you find out is that in the dryness, 
it will lead you to believe that the seeds you've sown won't produce anything. But listen to me this morning, just because you are in a summer season in your life doesn't mean you won't have a harvest because fall is always promised to those who persevere. Just because you sow, listen, this is what I love about God. You sow seeds, you think that just because you're in a summer, you won't reap anything, but what you sowed is under the service. It just hasn't grown yet. And you're just in a summer that seems longer than others. But we have promise here. The third thing we see is God-produced trials always have a purpose for the pain. That's why James 1 verse 5 in 2 through 4, he talks about perseverance. And then in verse 5, he's like, by the way, if you are wondering what's the point behind what I'm going through, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of God and he will give it to you. He's trying to give you the purpose for the pain. He's trying to give you insight and understanding on why you're going through the things you're going through. This is one of the reasons why Graham Cook, and I know that there are some Graham Cook fans in the room, but probably one of his most well-known quotes is that God allows in his wisdom what he can prevent in his power. God allows in his wisdom what he could prevent in his power. Now, let's just stop and recognize that that is not a one-size-fits-all hat because we have a devil. We have an enemy. And, And there are some things we're not supposed to accept. That's why we have spiritual warfare. But there are other situations that God is using what he could have prevented in his power, but he is allowing in his wisdom to shape you, to transform you, to mold you. And there's purpose for the pain in those moments. The the fourth thing that we talked about is if you choose perseverance, you will die empty. And dying empty means that you will live your life leaving nothing withheld and with nothing left to give. And to do, to die empty, we're going to have to persevere past the desire for self-preservation. See, self-preservation, we talked about this last week. You could do a whole series on self-preservation, but self-preservation will keep you at bay because it will keep you in what's most comfortable. And when you're in the most comfortable states, that's where the least growth happens. That's where the least risk takes place. That's where that, comfortability requires no faith. And you won't die empty if you're not pushing past the desire for self-preservation. So we talked about perseverance last week. And this week, um, I hate to break it to you because I told you last week that we were going to go into chapter two, uh, but we're not going into chapter two because we've got to revisit perseverance because there's more to perseverance than just what we talked about last week. I, I believe that this topic of perseverance is probably one of the most important topics in the body of Christ today. I really do. There is a lot to perseverance, and so we're going to go into it. And um, let me just say this. Some of you may be thinking to yourselves, I don't know if I can persevere through another message on perseverance. That's the very reason why we need to have another message on perseverance. So if anything, tune me out and practice persevering. See what I did there? It's like a Jedi mind trick. So why does perseverance matter? Why does perseverance matter enough 
to focus two weeks on it. Here's number one. Because the devil wants to wear you out. The devil wants to wear you out. You know, the devil's not a metaphor. That is a real entity. The devil wants to wear you out. How do I know this to be true? Because of what the book of Daniel prophesies. Daniel receives a vision from the Lord, and in the vision, it's speaking to the future, the days ahead. By days, I'm not talking about months, weeks. I'm talking about years, decades, centuries, everything beyond Daniel. It speaks to what the plan of the enemy is. And in Daniel 7.25, it says that the devil will come to speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. Wear down. He's talking about me and you. He's talking about us. He's talking about we. And here's the, here's the truth. You know how that is true? Because sometimes I just wake up and I'm tired for no reason. I'm weary for no reason. Let me tell you something. There is a fatigue that is self-induced, but there is also a fatigue that is demonic. Amen. I mean, we could get into nutrition, right? We could talk about the reasons why, you know, on a tradition, nutritional level, you may be worn out. But I'm telling you, there's also a spiritual fatigue that is the plan of the enemy to wear out the saints. This, wear, this, this word wearing out is not just a physical thing. It is primarily a mental thing. Listen to what wear out the saints means in the Hebrew. It means this. It means to harass constantly and mentally afflict. Watch this. So that you are used up completely. You ever been there? where you are so mentally exhausted, you don't have anything to give anybody. It is a mental game. It's a mental exercise. It is an onslaught of the enemy to wear you out mentally so that you have nothing to give anybody, especially to give to the kingdom. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about effort. I'm talking about focus. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about pushing and expanding the kingdom of God in the earth. He will wear you out on a mental level so you have nothing left to give. See, the enemy is after the mind of the believer to exhaust you so that you do nothing. That's why I believe that this younger generation... And in this day and age, worry and anxiety is at an all-time premium. I'm surprised there's no amens right now. It must be that we're under it. Right? We're feeling it. But worry and anxiety is at an all-time high right now. And I believe there's strong weapons that the enemy is using today. He's constantly bombarding the saints with worry and anxiety so that we are used up completely. And here's why he's doing it. Because when you're fighting the mental game, once again, you become so mentally exhausted, you have nothing else to give because you're just trying to make it through. I know that we've dealt with this. You've, if you experience physical pain, it is all-consuming. 
You just, you, you have nothing left to give. Everything in your life is seen through the filter of the physical pain. But it's not just that, it's also the mental. When you are mentally consumed with worry and anxiety, you see everything through that filter. And if you've ever been in that place, you know it's true because people will be talking to you and you're just zoned out. You're, just, you're not even there. How can you give anything to the expansion of the kingdom if you're mentally exhausted and mentally fixated? This is the plan of the enemy. I'll never forget reading the screw tape letters. How many have you ever read screw tape letters? Do you know what screw tape letters is? It is a fiction book that's prophetic by C.S. Lewis, and it's written from the vantage point of an uncle demon training a nephew demon on the tactics of the enemy against the body of Christ. And, and this is what C.S. Lewis re, uh, writes in this, this uh, book. There's nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. This is written from the vantage point of the demonic calling God the enemy. It's nothing like anxiety and suspense for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. He wants men and women, he, God, wants men and women to be concerned with what they do, but our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. This, this is where people get stuck. And this is why it's so important for us to renew our minds with the word of God. Listen, the renewed mind serves as a shield against the tide of anxiety and worry, worry so that the, enemy wants, that the enemy wants to bombard you with. I, I, have tell, I am telling you that there have been days in the last year plus where I've gotten on my knees in the morning and I've literally gone to Ephesians 6 and put on the helmet of salvation. Amen. Because... I know the onslaught of the enemy. I know it's a real thing. You know what I love about scripture? If you don't think this is applicable, maybe you haven't gone through enough. Because I'm telling you, when stuff gets real, you start to realize that this is real. You start to realize, I can't turn to anything else. I literally need, I'm realizing Ephesians 6 when he says, put on the helmet of salvation. It's not a metaphor, it's a spiritual reality. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why does this matter? Because of what renewing means in the Greek. It means to be given new strength and vigor in your mind. Listen, we're not just reading the Bible so we can be good little Christians. We are giving our minds a new strength and vigor that makes us resilient to the mental affliction of the enemy. When we're reading scripture, we are equipping our minds with something that gives us new strength and vigor. It's like what Jeremiah the prophet said. He said, your word, uh, the word of God is shut up in my bones. Indeed, I can't hold it in. Have you ever been reading the Bible? Something jumps off of the page to you and it's so, it so fixates your mind. You've got to tell somebody about it. You've got to call somebody. It's, it's like you're on a spiritual high because you have given your mind some ammunition to bombard the enemy with when he's trying to bombard you. It's like 
Setting, renewing your mind is like setting reminders on your phone using Siri. By the way, that's like one of the only good things of Siri. Siri needs to mind her business. For real, like she is just nosy. Like I can't tell you how many times like we've been in the middle of a conversation and then Siri just pops up like, I'm researching today what you're, shut up. But it's like setting a reminder on your phone. When you read the word of God, here's what you do. You, you give the Holy Spirit ammunition that he can use later to bring to your remembrance so that you have strength and vigor, vigor for the moment you need it. The, Jesus promises, he said, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that what? That he, say what? That he spoke. You know, you got to give him stuff. You got to give him something that he can bring up later to bring to remembrance. Okay, he was speaking contextually to the disciples who had followed him for three years, but now we're 2,000 years later. We cannot be spiritually illiterate anymore. We need to read the scripture because it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, judging or penetrating soul and spirit, joint and marrow, judging the thoughts and the intentions of man. It's something we have to deposit inside of us because it will partner with the Holy Spirit to bring it back up to remembrance when we need it most. I was in the middle of a moment where I was mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, and the Holy Spirit brings, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And I'm like, okay, I don't like that one. Can I have another one? <laughs> it's like pressing the, the wrong button on like the pop machine. It's like, dang, I wanted a Mountain Dew, not a Sierra Mist. But it's, 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 it's strength and, and vigor for you when you need it most. So perseverance matters because the devil wants to, to wear us out. The second point comes from James chapter 1 verse 12. After James goes on, consider pure joy, my brothers, let perseverance finish its work. He goes to James chapter 1 verse 12 and he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, that's when he's completed the test, when he's endured the test, when he's finished the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. James says when he has stood the test, then he'll receive the crown of life. What is crown, the crown of life? That's eternal life. That's eternal life. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Point number two, perseverance matters because our salvation depends on it. Now, this is where things kind of get nuanced. Because if you take this on YouTube and you cut it, people will be like, this is a works-based church. That's not the truth. It's both and in most times. Now, a couple weeks ago, how many of you remember we were talking about the thief on the cross that was next to Jesus, and he said, will you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will enter into eternity with me. Okay, so this it, there's a struggle here because it's like, okay, well, like, what did he kind of, um, what did he kind of do that really would have, if, if perseverance matters because our salvation depends on it, that means there's some sort of obstacles and things we have to push through. He was only, he was only a believer on the earth for what, an hour maybe? 
So what about him? Don't miss it. Here's the point. Yes, we can have deathbed confessions where you enter into paradise with Jesus. But what matters is the reality of how faithful you will be from the moment you accept Christ to the end of your life. It's about what you do in that window. So perseverance matters because our salvation depends on it. We need to address the doctrine that once you give your life to Jesus, you're saved for the rest of your life without doing anything. Okay, let's, let's talk about this. Charles Spurgeon said, temporary Christians are not Christians. Only the believers who continue to believe will enter heaven. That would be a lead balloon on Facebook today. Only the believers who continue to believe. See, if you can start believing in Jesus, then you can also stop believing in Jesus. Right? We, we know people like that. We know people that believed, things happened, and then they stopped believing. But the truth is this. It is often the trials of our lives that are the reason why we walk away. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 19, that it is the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke out the seeds of faith in him that have been planted in our hearts. Do you remember the parable of the sower? You remember we talked about the four types of soil? They all received the same seed, but because of things that were transpiring, those seeds no longer received it, or, or they got crowded out, and they didn't bear the fruit. The point is, is that uh, perseverance matters because our eternal security is dependent on that. What do I mean? We can become discouraged in the journey and question why it's worth Worth it to continue to believe, but perseverance is what will help us withstand the discouragement when it comes. This is one of the reasons why Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is speaking about the future here, and he says this, sin, tell me if this describes today. Just want to know. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Look what he says. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay? We can't look at it is by grace that we've been saved, not by works so that no man can boast, and, and, and isolate that scripture without also adding that to this and understanding that, yes, our salvation requires perseverance. When you persevere you will receive the crown of life that he has promised to those. That, what that is, is living for the well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful through the course of your life. The word in, in James 1.12, I think this is so interesting. The word in James 1.12 for love, promised to those who love him, is the word agape. Anybody, anybody, a Bible scholar, know what agape is? Tell me. Unconditional love. Often, it's interesting. Go back to James 1.12 really quick. Often, look, look at the, the scripture. Often, we apply agape love as the love that God has for us. But what's the context? That we receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that agape God. Do you know what that means? And it means that in order for you to agape God, you have to go through condition after condition that tests your faithfulness to love him. 
no matter what. So that means that every moment you have opposition, everything that's requiring perseverance, everything that is saying, you know what? You should just walk away from this. It's not worth it. His promises are lies. You know, this is not enough. If he really cared about you, why do bad things happen to good If he really cared, if he really loved us, why would... Let's dismantle that right now. Jesus said there's only one good that was God, and, and that is the only one who went through the most horrendous thing. So what makes us think that we would not have to endure certain things if we're following him? If anybody would come after me, he must first deny himself, pick up his cross, and... Follow. He's the only good one. And look at what happened to him. Why do bad things happen to good people? It happened in the person of Jesus. So we got to persevere. See, I've learned that life will bring condition after condition that will test our unconditional love for God. I feel like when those things happen, the question from God is, do you still love me? Do you still love me? I see what's going on, but do you still love me? Were you loving me until this happened? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? See, it requires, because there will be things in your life that will make you want to walk away because it was the one condition that you never thought would happen. It was the one thing you never imagined that would, yet yeah, you would experience in your life. It matters. Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will deny us. See, our faith has to endure to the end because our eternal security is contingent on the faithfulness of our faith in Jesus in the time that we have left to live. That does not mean that we're not going to have days where like, God, this is so hard. God, I don't want to follow you. Do you know that God has no problem with you being mad at him? You can be mad at God. God's got thick skin. You can be disappointed. Tell him, I'm mad. I'm disappointed. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. You can, you can express every emotion to God. But are you going to walk away and say, I'm done with it? You know what? This is not. See, the reason why this point matters is because Redeemer's Church is about, um, we're about equipping, equipping people to live out their faith for a long time. Okay? We're not about getting you in here, patting you on the back, saying, this is awesome, this is great, rah, 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 because we know once you walk out those doors, there's going to be a whole lot that hits the fan. Can you, you get my drift? And you've got to have grit to endure it. Number three, perseverance matters because Jesus calls us not to just pray, but to pray with perseverance. In Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. E.M. Bounds, if you, if, you, if you know, E.M. Bounds was well known 
for his, his books written on the topic of prayer. And this is what he says. He says, of all that Jesus taught on prayer, he taught that perseverance was the most essential element. The most essential element. Persevering, pushing, pushing, pushing. I love this illustration uh, that I came across. How many of you have ever seen stone being cut? I'm talking about massive boulders. Anybody have ever seen that? Okay, there's something amazing about stone cutting. Listen to this illustration. I look at a stone cutter hammering away at a rock a hundred times without so much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the 101st blow, it splits in two. And listen to this. I know it was not the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. This is what prayer is about. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been around here, maybe if you're new to this space, but we have some amazing mo momentum. Do you know what that is? It's not gifting. It's not skill sets. It's not systems. It's the amount of prayer that has saturated this place going into this moment. Amen. Two amens. I love that. Do you know why? Because prayer is not spiritually sexy. It's not exciting to come to the prayer meeting. But it's also what cuts the concrete and cuts the stone and breaks through the chains and breaks through the strongholds. And if we don't believe it, where do you think we will be? Look at what Ian Bounds went on to say. If prayer puts God to work on earth, then by the same token, prayerlessness rules God out of the world's affairs and prevents him from working. And if prayer moves God to work in this world's affairs, then prayerlessness excludes God from everything concerning men and leaves man on earth to be a mere creature of circumstances at the mercy of blind faith or fate. Listen, that's why we advertise the prayer meeting. That's why we text people, because we don't, want, we don't want you to come so we can pad our numbers and at staff be like, praise God, we have 30 people at the prayer meeting. No, it's because we believe that when we come together and intercede, and if we continue to persevere, we will see breakthrough take place. And what the prayer meetings often tell me is that there is not enough people in the body of Christ that have a resiliency and a tenacity to believe what God said in his word. It's like uh, Esau who wrestled with God. I will not let you go until you bless me. So he asks us to persevere in prayer. So powerful. Let's talk about three, uh, three practical tips on how to persevere because James is a, is a practical book. Okay? And I know that was a little bit intense. Hopefully the next couple things will get a little more humorous for you. Number one, persevere with people around you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. I don't have this passage of Scripture up for you. You can write it down. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. 
If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Persevere with people around you. James talks about this in 1 verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you, he's not talking about one person, he's talking about collectively the whole, face trials of many kinds. There's an unwritten sense of togetherness in this passage. Persevere together. Endure together. You're all going through a lot, so choose to do it together. Galatians 6, I love this scripture by Paul. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You know what that makes me think about? That makes me think about the fact that when Jesus was carrying his cross, they pulled a gentleman out of the crowd to get under the cross with him and carry it with him. When we're going through stuff that is pushing us down, that's wearing us out, we can do the same thing with other people. We can share that burden. You know what sharing burden? Let's get super practical. Hear people out. Be the safe place they can sit down and pour out what they're going through to. That's, that's a way of bearing each other's burdens. Once again, we talked about this last week. Faith without works is dead. How can you share someone's burden? Okay, they, if they're carrying something and they're overwhelmed, what can you help take off of their plate so that they can just run a little bit better until they can get traction? Okay? Share each other's burdens. Here's the truth about perseverance in people. People are often what test your perseverance, but they are often also the reason why you end up persevering. <laughs> people... Do you know, you want to know what causes that, that makes you, you know the trials that James didn't let them know specifically what it was? Human beings. Consider it pure joys, my brothers, whenever you face trials called human beings of any kind, any age, because you know the testing of your faith, it's people. People are often what most tests your perseverance, but they are also often what, the aid that helps you to persevere. It's people that will help you go further, go longer, last, endure, push through. For every person that tests you is another person that helps you push you beyond yourself. When you're going through something, just having some, someone with you is going to cause you to be able to endure more than you would on your own. Let me encourage you with this. I really want to, I, I really hope that you, you take this to heart. Don't let go of the people in your life that push you. Okay, we're adults. We don't want to have, we're grown. We don't want people to put, don't let go of people that push you. Let me tell you why. People who push you do it because they believe you can do more than you think you can. Never underappreciate the expectations that people have of you because those expectations should show you what they believe you're capable of. If people stop pushing you, it's because they've resolved in their mind you can't do it. That's a problem. You don't want those types of people around your life. 
You want the people in your life that continue to push you because what that should indicate to you is they believe you have a greater capacity than you think you have. Don't under, underappreciate the people in your life that are challenging you, that are pushing you. My son constantly, why are you always on me about this or that? Because I know you can do better. Okay? It's not about perfection. I just know, I know what's, what you're capable of. I know what's on the inside of you. I know what you can do. You just don't realize it. So persevere with people around you. Number two, <laughs> deal with why you don't want to persevere. <laughs> um, let me just kind of frame this one. This point is like having a come to Jesus conversation with yourself. Deal with why you don't want to persevere. Let me, let me tell you one of the main reasons I believe people don't want to persevere. Pride. Let me explain why. Pride will keep you from persevering because we are afraid of trying hard and still failing. So rather than try, we just don't try because we want to keep our pride intact. We don't want to have to deal with the vulnerability of our weaknesses put on display. We don't want to push because we don't want people to know how weak we really are, so we hide. We pretend that we are stronger than we really are, and in pretending that we are stronger than we really are, we become weaker than we should be. This is a perfect example of this is like um, my older brother, who was m- so many more inches taller than me and bigger and stronger than me. We'd play basketball as kids, and he'd beat me every single time because he would leverage all of his heights and weight against me, back me down, and just shoot baskets underneath the rim every single time, and then just like rub it in my face until I got a little bit taller, and then I would beat him, and then afterwards he'd be like, I wasn't even trying. (laughs) Which made me even more irritated, because it's like, I want you to try so hard, and me just crush you. But the point was, was pride. I want to protect my pride by showing you that I was actually trying. I'm not trying as hard as I really was, because I don't want to show that my weaknesses on display. This is what pride does. But let me tell you to consider Jesus. Look at this, Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes, who's the example? Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what that means? In the Greek it means He gave the humiliation of the cross no thought. Thinking nothing of the shame. The Passion Translation says, conquering its humiliation and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We would not be here today on a Sunday morning if the humiliation of Jesus' vulnerable body hanging from the cross, put on display, would have been the reason why he crawled and came down from the cross. We're here because he conquered humiliation by persevering through that on the cross. See, there's a pride issue that is often the problem why we don't want to persevere. Because we don't want to be humiliated. 
We don't want those things to take place in our lives. If you're going to be a person of perseverance, you are going to have to get used to humiliating yourself because perseverance is always about testing your limits. It's about testing your limits. I'll never forget uh, crossfitting with Nick Robson. I don't know how many years ago it was when I gave it up for Lent. It was the most spiritual decision I ever I was like, God, I want to give you something that's so valuable to me. I'm retired. I'm living for the well done, David. You know? But I remember we would do these workouts. <laughs> we do these workouts, and there's about five or six of us. You want to know who finished dead last every workout? This guy. And it was, let me tell you something it wasn't a close. It wasn't close. It wasn't like five finished. And then seconds later, I finished. Let me kind of paint the picture. It was more like people were leaving the gym, finish. <laughs> people, suits, ties, heading to work, had just showered, and I'm like, on the last rep. That's the, and it was humiliating. It was embarrassing. But let me tell you one, one thing. I love what Nick, Nick wouldn't let me quit. Because, here's why. Because perseverance matters when you have people around you that will push you. So if I skipped, he's like, where are you at? I, I love that. You're not going to persevere unless you have the accountability of people pushing you. So I was in this situation, but you know, one of the things that, it, it, this is the thing, like they had a private group text. I know they were clowning me. They're like, see, you see Caleb struggle today. I know, I know it was the case. But you know what I love? Nick would come over in his suit and tie, and he'd be like, come on, let's go. One more time. One more time. And, and I would eventually finish. But let me tell you something. Those moments were about conquering my own limitations, not about the praises of other people. If you're living for the praises of other people, you won't persevere. It was about conquering my own limitations. I'm not trying to compete against them. I'm trying to compete against myself because what's, what's more predominant in my mind is I'm done. And it was about pushing through my own signal. I did the same thing in a, a half marathon, which felt like a full marathon to your boy. Okay, 13.1 miles. Um, there was hundreds of us that started. I was the last one to finish. The banner, they had torn everything down. Like they were like, there's still somebody out there? <laughs> I, crossed, I crossed the finish line and I just collapsed. And this was the thought in my mind. How in the world do people do this twice in one day? How do people, you know how like there's stickers that people, uh, it's, like a, it's like a quiet flex where people put 3.1, 6.2, 9.3, 13.1, 26.2. You ever seen those uh, stickers on people's cars? That's just them saying, like, wanting you to know that they've run a really long uh, way. I was like, I'm creating my own sticker. It's, it's going to say 13.1 and never again. 13.1. That's it. I'm not running this ever again. But it was humiliating. But you know what? I ran farther than I've ever ran in my life. Because it was about competing against myself and breaking through my own limitations. So you've got to deal. You have to deal with why you don't want to persevere. 
Never let what failure does to your pride be the reason why you stop trying. I want to read this story. At age 22, this individual failed in business. At 23, he was defeated when he ran for legislature. Again, at 24, he failed in business. At 25, he was elected to the legislature. At 26, his sweetheart died. 27, he had a nervous breakdown. 29, he was defeated for speaker. 31, defeated for elector. 34, defeated for Congress. 37, elected to Congress. 39, defeated for Congress again. 46, defeated for Senate. 47, defeated for Vice President. 49, defeated for Senate. 51, elected President of the United States. That's the record of Abraham Lincoln. Let perseverance finish its work. Every failure is one step closer to seeing the things happen. And lastly, as we close, point number three, practical, remove the option to quit. Remove the option to quit. I was looking up, there's actually a science to breaking through limitations. It's actually a study. And I I found this article from, I believe it's the New York Times. In 2004, a man named Jor Robic won the Insight Race across America for the second year in a row. This race is commonly referred to as the RAAM. It's a non-stop 3,000-mile bike ride. It's a full 800 miles longer than the Tour de France. This event, which begins in San Diego, ends in Atlantic City. So you are riding a bike from one coast to the other coast. And it serves as one of the best tests of sheer willpower imaginable. It typically spans at least seven days, and because it is nonstop, the racers spend as much time biking as they can, leaving few hours to sleep or rest. With all of this biking and limited rest come many consequences. First, the heat of the desert requires that they drink as much as one liter of water per hour. Then as they near the Great Plains, their digestive tracts begin to be tested by the 10,000 plus calories that they need to consume every day. Then comes the issues with the points of contact with the bike. Feet swell, thumb nerves stop functioning properly. The list goes on and on. So how do the typical 24 racers do this for at least a full week? Better yet, how does Robic endure this kind of pain while only sleeping 90 minutes per night? Robic said, I do not give myself a choice. To scientifically push beyond limits, the answer is no. Whether Jor realizes it or not, he has cracked the secret to beating fatigue. Physiologists used to believe that we feel exhaustion when we physically cannot go any further. Fatigue, they thought, is what occurs when the muscles in our bodies cannot keep working until they replenish their energy through adequate rest and nutrition. There was one physiologist, however, listen, 
who did not believe that this was the case. In 1924, Archibald Hill proposed the idea that when the body is working hard and depleting its energy, the brain will begin to send messages to the muscles to slow down. The brain does this to conserve energy to survive the many hardships we humans deal with. You know what that is? The brain has a hardwired mechanism for self-preservation. And it will send the signals before you can actually, you actually have the capacity to stop. So by ignoring his own brain's messages of fatigue and, listen, uh, Jor was able to keep going and going. Jor's crew believed that when he says that he cannot possibly push anymore, that he literally has reached only about 50% of his capacity. The moment, if you've ever worked out, you feel the burn and your brain starts to say, you're done, stop, stop, stop. No, that is the self-preservation mechanism in your body saying, you're done. Because it's trying to, it's trying to prevent you from suffering any further. When Jor cannot go anymore, we know he can still go. We must motivate him sometimes, but he goes. And Jor's results prove that they are correct. He won back to back by removing the option to quit. If you are going to persevere, you're going to have to make the choice to remove the option to quit. You know, like, when it comes to, like, diets, one of the ways that people are most successful with diets is by removing the options. Get all of the stuff out of the house <laughs> that you want to get up at midnight and snack on. Remove the options. If you're going to persevere, you've got to remove the options to quit. And once again, we are here because Jesus removed the option to quit that would have stopped letting perseverance finish its work. Matthew 26, I was, I was studying and I was praying and I was preparing for this message and I saw this picture, you know, and G, uh, Jesus is in the garden and he's on his way to the cross. He knows that's the destination for the joy set before him, but nevertheless, he's human, he's God, he's suffering, he knows everything that is about to take place. And the Bible says in Matthew 26 that he was so stressed so anxious, so worried, so vexed by what was going to come. It says that he was sweating drops of blood. Do you know that that is a medical reality? I don't know what the medical term, but it is basically when you are so stressed out that blood vessels in your body burst and you begin to perspire blood. And here's Jesus in the garden, knowing what's coming. And he gets down on his knees and he prays, Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass. But I want you to see him removing the option. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus in that declaration, was removing his own option to quit. Nope, I'm not going to pray that you get me out of this anymore because I know it's your will. I'm removing the option 
to quit. What was Jesus doing? He was removing the option. He was saying, I could quit. But quitting is no longer an option. And it went on later to say that when Jesus was on the cross and they're telling him, if you're the son of God, come down. Why did he never respond? Because he had already removed the option to quit. So I charge you again this morning, James 1.4, let perseverance finish its work so that we may be Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Will you stand with me? Perseverance is so important. So important. I said this last week. If there's any people walking the earth today, it should be the people of God that have grit, that have resiliency, to have determination. Think in somewhere else it says, we are not those who shrink back. Shrink back. It's grit. It's perseverance. Let perseverance finish. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit in a moment this week, when you're going through your day-to-day living your life, and you're coming up against a ceiling. If there's anything we read from that science of limitations, let me tell you what, what I'm hoping you, you got that I got. That the moment my brain sends the signal that this is my ceiling, it's not. That there's more to push beyond that. And I'm believing that part of becoming, in Romans 8.28, we are more than conquerors, in Christ, or those who believe we are more than conquerors, so much of that is breaking through ceiling after ceiling after ceiling of limitations that we have accepted that aren't real. We're breaking through those things because of what Jesus does in us. So if you're in the room and you find yourself in the middle of a trial, you find yourself in the middle of a battle, you find yourself in the middle of something that's testing your faith, something that is demanding perseverance, I want to pray for you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just pray this, Lord. I pray that you would give us strength today. That as Isaiah said, we would walk and not grow weary. We would run and not grow faint. That you would supply us with strength today. Supply us with grace. Even as Paul said, your grace is made perfect in my weakness. I pray that that would be our spiritual portion today. And God, as we are going throughout this week and we're coming up against things that are forcing endurance, requiring endurance, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that there would be a resiliency in our spirit. I pray, Lord God, that we we would not believe the lie of our own limitations. But, Father, that we would let perseverance finish its work in us, that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you're visiting with us this morning, I would love to meet you, and our pastoral staff would as well. If you've got a prayer, come see us. We'd love to pray for you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.